Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. Celebrating the amazing people of coastal Mississippi and across this great state who are working hard to make this a great place to live, work, and play. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, still, as we uh, launch this new show that we changed the name of last Thursday, uh, Coach, you served us well for a lot of a lot of years. But as new people came into the show, and I've been, I was thrilled to check some of the some of the Facebook numbers. Like over three thousand people engaged with the announcement around the change of the name of the show. That's an, you know really an incredible number of people when you consider. That this is so, you know basically a local show here in coastal Mississippi, but a lot of people are paying attention, and they have their points of view about it. And uh, the support for the name change has been terrific. Uh, the point is that Coast View V U E for people who'd been with the show for a long time, they came to understand what that stood for. V View incidentally is French for the visual perception of a region, and of course, coastal Mississippi being this great region, the economic engine that drives the state of Mississippi. Um, but when people talked about the show, they would say Ricky's show. You know, when I went out to give speeches, they would say, you know, Ricky's show. And after a lot of internal conversations about it, we finally decided to simplify it and name it the, what pe- the way people refer to it. So we changed the name of the show. But again, Coast View served us well for a long time. We, we really haven't changed anything about the focus of the show, that is for sure. Hey, listen, one of the things that I'm most thrilled about I've said this many times, so if you're a regular listener, you've gotten tired of me saying this, but I'm excited about being part of the Supertalk uh, Mississippi Media family. This is a very unique company, uh, whereas radio stations across the country are going to sort of a national approach, so they're not, they don't have local programming anymore, so they'll have a, a single sort of morning show that they plays in all markets across the United States. Steve Davenport, who owns Supertalk Mississippi Media, decided he's not taking that approach that he wants to get local. The more local he is, the more successful he's going to be. And when we visited on my show a few weeks ago, he talked about the evolution of this company and the various networks that he's created, the sports network, the ag, ag network, the news network. The news network goes not only to the 26 radio stations that Steve Davenport owns, but it also goes to a total of 51 stations. Uh, so he has news, news, uh, excuse me, radio stations that are not in his family of, of uh, radio stations. Uh, so when the Super Talk Mississippi News family develops news, it's literally just canvassing this entire state. It's a winning strategy, and I'm excited to be a part of it. The other thing about what they've done is they've created a multimedia approach. So you can watch our shows on YouTube or Facebook. You can watch our shows, uh, you know, obviously across from Twitter. You can uh, you can go listen on your favorite podcast. You can certainly listen uh, for this show, 103.1. And uh, this show will soon start playing on other markets across the state of Mississippi. So we're excited about what's happening. I love this business. I love this company. And I'm really excited about what's happening specifically in the news effort. Now, look, Super Talk Mississippi News has always been there. It's a great team of people. 
people that are capturing news that's from our shows, that are from you know you know the hot spots of news across the state of Mississippi, and sharing it to again the 51 radio stations, and also on supertalk.fm, and there's also a Supertalk app. So I would encourage you to download the app, or you can go to the supertalk.fm website. You can have access to all of our shows. You can have access to the latest news. Uh, But it's amazing what they've done. More recently, as I've discussed on this show, they've been collecting uh, what we refer to as thought leaders from across the state that are now writing columns for Supertalk uh, Mississippi News. And uh, it's some really, really bright people that have something to say. And I'm really excited about Hunter Dawkins is writing regular columns about a number of different things. He owns the Gazebo Gazette. Um, Paige Roberts from the Jackson County Chamber is writing as well. Um, Ashley Edwards, uh, we had a, I'll have him on the show next week, but Oliver Dyer is a former Supreme Court Justice is writing. He wrote a terrific column about his travels and how we in in America take travel for granted. And uh, just a really, really good piece of, by the way, he's an incredibly good writer. All these people are great writers. But Oliver has literally traveled all around the world. So we've uh, we've had the opportunity to visit with him on a full show. But the next week or two, we'll have him back on the show to talk about his column and excited about having him. But this has been evolving over the over the last couple of years, actually. And it's it's really exciting. And I am uh, really pleased today to have someone who seemed like a natural to be part of sort of this thought leader family. And you'll you'll understand if you've been on the show with me before with him, you know this already about my next guest. But if you don't know Brian Lamar, you will you will soon get to know why we're thrilled to have him in the Thought Leader family. And coming to us at midnight in Japan, which is where he's located right now, is Brian Lamar. How you doing, my friend? I'm pretty good. A uh, little tired, but uh, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> well, look. Okay, so let, for if you're if you again if you're not a regular listener, let me remind you how I know Brian. And then we'll uh, we'll take it from there. But I had not been with Supertalk very long. And in the beginning of doing this show, I wanted to do it from the studio. All, although the plans were, even independent of the pandemic, was to set me up a small studio here at my house so that I could do the show from my house. Because I'm retired. And I want to be able to do this show as conveniently as I possibly can. But what I wanted to do initially, though, is actually work out of the studio, working with Kyle Curly, the producer of the show, to learn as much as I can about how all this works. I don't know anything about radio or didn't know anything about radio at the time. And so we did the shows live. And um, and not long after we started the show, I had someone show up with one of his uh, compatriots at our lobby at Supertalk Mississippi News and went out and and I met Brian, Brian Lamar, who at the time was head of public affairs for uh, Naval Construction Battalion Center in Gulfport, the CB, the CB Banks. And then what started from that was just this long list of him joining on my, my show and him arranging others from the CB base to join me on my show. His extensive, um, and we'll get to this in a second, but his extensive experience in the military community here in coastal Mississippi was uh, was was unbelievable, but also the fact that he was so uh, proactive in the way that he represented the CB base. He had an opportunity to go to Japan to work out of Japan for a few years. He wanted to bring his kids there to give them some experience. And uh, but just because he's in Japan didn't mean that he wasn't going to be a thought leader for Super Talk Mississippi News because he's going to be coming back in two or three years. But the perspective that he brings 
looking back at the United States, looking back at coastal Mississippi from Japan, is something that's going to be a little bit of magic. And it certainly uh, is proven true from the first column that he wrote. So, Brian, we're so excited to have you on our team. Well, th- thanks, Ricky, and and I I really appreciate uh, the Super Talk uh, family um, just embracing uh, me and uh, a- actually asking me to uh, submit the column. Um, you know, it's funny. I've been called a lot of things in my life. Thought leader, I think that's the first. Uh, <laughs> that's the first time I've been called that. Uh, but uh, I, I appreciate that. Uh, I don't I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I can live up to that hype, but, uh, you know, one thing that I noticed uh, going overseas, and I've been overseas before, but it's always been um, from the vein of being an active duty military member. Now I'm a civilian that works for the government, and I chose to leave to go overseas. It wasn't a, you got orders, whatever. I I chose uh, to come over here. And uh, and I knew that there would be uh, a lot of differences uh, between Mississippi and uh, and Japan, and yeah, let, let me tell you right now, there are more differences than 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 I can count, and uh, and those are those are going to fill up the column uh, for the next year. Uh, but there are also uh, some pretty neat similarities between our cultures that I found um, little verbal things, but also food wise and um, just uh, family values wise type stuff. Um, the Japanese, and I guess I just, I, I knew this, but I didn't know this, you know, and this is why you go overseas. The Japanese uh, are lovers of democracy as well. Uh, and, and that's uh, the long and short of why we're here to make sure that they can continue to maintain that. Uh, and we are also as a, as a military, as a department of defense, uh, not only are we protecting democracy and freedom back home, but we're protect, protecting it from our, uh, with our allies as well. So we can ensure that they still have that freedom way of life. And, um, and just seeing, uh, that similarity, uh, makes, makes the job worth so much more while. What what I admire, Brian, as we discussed in the show where we talked about your your movement from coastal Mississippi to Japan, because we wanted to follow your journey. What I admired about your story was the principal reason for taking this opportunity was to expose your <laughs> yeah. sons to sort of this international perspective, and you knew yeah. that it would it would broaden their minds. Talk a little bit about that. Well, I mean, so, yeah, going overseas uh, and, and uh, you know, a lot of people can, can go if, if they're well off, well off enough or they've saved up enough. They can go on a quick vacation to Asia or Europe or somewhere, um, and you get to see it for a couple of days. Uh, you get to eat some neat dishes or at least see it on the menu, and you get to hear some people talking kind of funny, you know, that kind of thing. But you don't really absorb that culture. You you sample it, but you don't absorb it. And so I knew that my boys uh, uh, had uh, very much absorbed Mississippi's culture. And um, I remember having a conversation with one of my cousins uh, over in Van Cleve uh, not too long ago. And uh, about six months before we decided to start trying to come over here. Uh, and I was realizing that that's all they had ever known was Mississippi, and they were so fascinated by any facts that I knew about another country from my travels before. And it just really made me think, I've got to get uh, my boys overseas before they get 
old enough that they don't want to go. You know, they get girlfriends, stuff like that. They grow roots uh, too too deep for me to uproot them. So I wanted to come over here so I could ex- expose them so they can absorb that culture. We're having a conversation with my friend Brian Lamar, who lives in Japan now. He'll be back. He'll be back to Mississippi in uh, some time from now. Uh, but it's a it's a fascinating story and the perspective that he brings as a result of his experiences, not just the most recent experience moving to Japan, but his experiences around the military community prior to, to leaving, um, is uh, is it really positions him well to be a thought leader, a, a, a someone who's going to be commenting for uh, Super Talk Mississippi News on a regular basis going forward. We're excited about the partnership. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Brian Lamar. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His passion and love for coastal Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back. We're visiting with my friend Brian Lamar, who said in the, during the first uh, segment that he's been called a lot of things, but he's never been called a thought leader. But gee, I have to be honest with you, because I've gotten to know Brian really well. That is that is typical, humble Brian. But what Brian <laughs> brings to the table is perspective. That's what I love about um, you know anyone. Like, it's, I mentioned about Oliver Diaz, who was a former Supreme Court justice who spent a lot of time in Biloxi. He, he spends time in Jackson and Oxford, um, and he traveled literally all around the world. That gives you perspective. And when you have perspective, yes, and you're a good writer and a good thinker, you have the ability to sort of convey that. So a man in, in Brian's case who decides to pick his family up and his young sons and move them from Mississippi to Japan so that his sons can have the the perspective of sort of a place like Japan to broaden their perspective. You knew when you did this, Brian, that you would be changing them for the rest of their lives. They'll never be the same young men they were when they left Mississippi. And you wanted that, didn't you? That, yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, there there's so many things. Uh, you know, just just like any other kid, uh, like my older son, he's a he's a bit of a picky eater, uh, and that's just one aspect of this. He's a, pick, a picky eater, and um, we we go to a restaurant now. Uh, like there's a Taiwanese restaurant right down the street from our house, and uh, there's some pretty. Um, unique dishes on that menu and um one of them i, I think you might have seen the the facebook photo that i posted uh, I, was, I was eating a plate of uh, silkworms and um and you know from just from the name uh people are like Ew, no i'm not doing that but uh, i i told my boys i said i'll try it if you try it and uh my older son he, he didn't try it uh he sniffed it <laughs> put it back and said no thanks my younger son actually tried it uh, and he chewed it up. He swallowed it, and he looks at me and goes, mm, "Not, not my favorite." And I said, "Okay, well, you at least tried it." And um, I ate about half of them um, before I decided, "No, I'm, I'm, I think I'm grossing my family out at the table." Uh, my, my wife had just kind of pushed her plate away, and I was like, "All right, I'll, I'll, I'll cover these and get rid of them so they can finish their meal." Uh, but uh, it was, it was very unique, and uh, and it's just one of the things uh, that that my boys have 
been experienced too is like certain dishes and and just culinary uh, delicacies that they have over here that we would never you know see over in um, in Mississippi. Although Mississippi's got its own set of uh, delicacies as well that when we when uh, when we go out to eat uh, with friends who aren't from that area, they go, "What is that? What is a mud bug?" You know, and so oh yeah, we're gonna eat some mud bugs, <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things. And we've gone to so many festivals. And I remember uh, one, one thing that stood out to me is my wife looked at me and she goes, I feel like we were, we were in a festival and there was a uh, there's a large replica pirate ship, uh, not pirate ship, but like a galleon type ship that uh, they had rolling in at this uh, place called the Yomitan Festival. And it, it's a, it was a replica symbolizing in the 1300s, like the, the trade. Uh, industry that they had put together between Okinawa, Japan, and China, and, and other places. And my wife looks at me and she goes, I feel like I'm part of something ancient and uh, special. And uh, and I, I, I understood exactly what she meant because I felt that same feeling. And we've been going to these um, UNESCO World Heritage Sites, uh, these, these castles that were built in the 1300s, and seeing the way that they lived uh, then and, and now and how it's kind of blends together and how they've held so many traditions for so long. Um, it's just really cool. It's just it's so cool uh, absorbing that culture. It, it sounds like it is. We always encourage our kids to do as much study abroad as possible and have a long story to tell about that. But here, here's the interesting part that you'll really relate to. My son, Jordan, who's a lawyer now here in coastal Mississippi, um, man, he is a picky eater. He was always a picky eater. And he, 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 to hear him tell this story, he'll make you, you know, he'll make you fall on the ground from laughing so hard. But he talks about when he was two or three years old, and he remembers this vividly, how he used to break me and his mother. Um, he'd be in the high chair, and he wouldn't eat anything green. If it was green, like green beans or anything green, he was not going to touch it. And uh, and so, but Ann said, well, you're not going to be able to get up until you finish eating it. And he would just grit his teeth and he'd sit there for an hour, two hours, however long it took. He was not eating the green beans or whatever was green that was in front of him. And he, when he tells the story, he talks about breaking us, which he eventually did because he was going to win. He went to Japan. I find this interesting. He went to Japan. And one of the things, he could do special orders. You know, you don't do special orders at McDonald's, but he had to do yeah. special orders at McDonald's here in, in order to find something that he liked to eat. <clears throat> and he goes to Japan for a study abroad program it's when he was at Southern Miss. <clears throat> and he sends us he sends us pictures of where he is, and it's at McDonald's <laughs> doing a special order. He says it tastes a little different, but at least I found a place where I'm not going to starve to death while I'm here. And he's just missing I'll out on the culture, isn't he? I'll, I'll tell you what, though, McDonald's is even different here, and they've got some really cool menu items. When we went up to Sapporo for Snowfest, we got in really late, uh, way up in the northern reaches of uh, Japan for the Snow Festival. And uh, it was cold, and it was late, and so McDonald's was the only thing open. And I got a burger called a Samurai Mac, and it's like a Big Mac, uh, but it's got it's like a teriyaki sauce-type base burger. It was so freaking delicious. It, it was sounds so great. And then they have these like uh, black garlic uh, spicy chicken nuggets that you'll never find in McDonald's in the states, and they're so good. They 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 sell out of them all the time because they're so good. But you know, it's it's funny that you mentioned that. My dad and mom came over here for Christmas, and it's the first time they've they've left the United States. So my dad's sixty something years old, um, and uh, he. Um, 
he just we, we landed he landed in uh, Narita, which is outside of Tokyo, uh, and I met them up in mainland uh, uh, Japan uh, out there outside of Tokyo. And the first thing he said is, "Let's go get something to eat." And he asked, well, "What do you want?" He goes, "I really want a hamburger." I said, "Dad." Uh, you know how my wife Courtney is always complaining that she can't find good tacos in Alabama. She's she's Mexican, and um, and you're always getting frustrated with her. It's because you can't find good tacos in in, in Alabama because well, it's not authentic enough. Uh, it's not what she's used to. And so um, I said, if you're trying to order a hamburger in Japan, it's going to be the same thing. You're not going to find a hamburger that you like in Japan. And he goes, well, let's go get one anyways. And he tried one. He told me, he goes, oh, that's the worst hamburger I ever had. It's like, <laughs> you, why don't you order Japanese food? That's what they know. Yeah, that's going to be delicious. But don't go, to, don't go to Japan and order a hamburger. So anyways, um, it's kind of one of those things. Uh, he got the culture shock with the food right away. Uh, but we eventually, uh, we, we broke him in, um, people who know some, uh, some Japanese food. I made him try ramen, uh, like the real ramen, not just the little packets of ramen. Um, a big bowl of steamed ramen was, was exactly what he needed to, to get right over here. Um, and then some other things called, uh, yakiniku, not yakiniku and, uh, okonomiyaki. Uh, some of those like traditional Japanese dishes that he, he was tasting and he's like, Oh, I actually like this stuff a lot. So I think since he's been back to Alabama, he's been looking for the an authentic ramen restaurant um, because I've never seen anybody demolish a bowl of ramen as fast as he did and drank all the broth and everything. And I kept telling him, don't do that. There's so much salt in the broth. It's terrible for you. But he did anyway. So, but uh, hey, Brian, yeah, let me, t- like let me tell you, when I was uh, when I worked for Knight Ritter, I was involved in some change efforts. And over a course of a couple of years, I flew. 650,000 frequent flyer miles in a, during a two-year period. And one of the leaders of the effort, his name was Tally Lu. He was from t- Taiwan. And one of the things that made it tolerable to go with Tally to places like Philadelphia and Miami and San Jose and the hinterland was that when we went to – he would always pick a restaurant with some some – it could be Japanese, it could be Chinese, it could be Taiwanese, it could be anything in that in that area era. And he would um, he would always order off the menu, and the food Brian was so good. Yeah, I mean, is that your experience in Japan that the food is just amazing? Uh, you know, I thought I was going to come over here and lose weight because you see all these Japanese people and they're all they're uh, in typically a lot skinnier than us Americans. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to lose weight. I have been eating and eating. Everything is more delicious than the last. And when I think I found yeah. a favorite restaurant, here comes another one. And so, yeah, there's no way I'm going to lose weight over here. Well, it's uh, it's exciting to to hear your story and to remind. We're going to talk about your column in the, in the next segment. But what I okay. what I want to do is just kind of remind people a little bit about not only will you write about your your sort of travel perspective looking back at Mississippi and we'll talk specifically about your your unique column that you wrote this 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 most recently but but also I, I think the, the understanding sort of the role the military community plays in Mississippi you're uniquely positioned to talk about that but can tell people a little bit about the various uh, assignments that you've had as it relates to the military in Mississippi so yeah it just in South Mississippi uh, I, I arrived in South Mississippi to work for the hurricane hunters uh, as their media relations uh, and public affairs person. 
so uh, I would fly on the back of uh, Hurricane Hunter flights and take media on. And then I'd write uh, write stories and stuff for our internal publications as well. Let's do this. We'll um, pick it up right yeah. there. Hurricane Hunter's sure, sure, sure. Ryan came, and then we'll shift the gears to these other, other perspectives that he got along the way. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with a Super Talk Mississippi News thought leader, Brian Lamar, coming to us <laughs> as past midnight and from Japan. We'll see you after this. Reminding you why we all love living in coastal Mississippi. It's the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to my with my friend Brian Lamar, who is a thought leader now. I formed this wonderful partnership between Super Talk Mississippi News and Brian, who is a really terrific writer. This guy is a really good writer. And you can tell from the conversation that we're having that he's a worldly guy. He's humble about it, but the truth is he's a really, really good thinker. So when we went to went back to when we went to break, he was saying that he came to the Hurricane Hunters. And uh, represented them as sort of their public affairs person. Can pick it up from there, Brian. Yeah. So the Hurricane Hunters uh, was what brought me to the coast, uh, and then I worked with them for several years. And then um, I, I worked. Um, I, I left them um, to to try something a little bit different. I worked for the Keesler Air Force Base's um, uh, the, the installation public affairs office, and I was only there for a short amount of time before the Navy called and said, "Hey, would you like to come over and work in our public affairs office? Um, not only do we have a, a, a different set of things for you to do that be fresh and new, but also we'll pay you more." And so I said, "Okay, yeah, I'll do that." And um, and then I, I got over there, and, and then I was at the CV base before I left to come here for uh, I, th- I think right at six years. So, um, so th- that's my experience uh, working a little bit with uh, the Stennis folks as well, and also the the sh- uh, soup ship, uh, the supervisor shipbuilding over at uh, Pascagoula, just kind of collaborating on all sorts of things like that. And of course, when you're with the hu- Hurricane Hunters, you know that's at Keesler, one of the more important training facilities in in the Air Force. You get to learn about every aspect of what is represented at Keesler and why Keesler is so darn important to coast of Mississippi, to oh, Mississippi, yeah. and to this nation. But what a great learning opportunity that was for you. Yeah, you know, every element, uh, military element on the Mississippi Gulf Coast has a unique uh, contribution that they, they, they give back to Mississippi, but also like with a, a worldwide impact. Uh, and and it's, 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 it's understated so many times. I tried my best to state it, but uh, it stays understated how much of a, a, a global impact Keesler, CB Base, Stennis, uh, the, the shipbuilding at Pascagoula uh, Department, global impact every day, day in, day out. Uh, the military community, yeah, sure, there's economic impact and there's you know cultural things there that makes them important, but just the, the worldwide impact is important as well. So, so Brian, let's get to your column. Um, the okay. headline I thought was just brilliant, and it and it the headline says a Mississippian in Japan. Did I hear a gunshot? And you know what's interesting? I've had a series of shows over the last couple of weeks that that from it seems whether it be spring break or teen suicide or other issues around sort of this this violence culture that's becoming part of our society today. 
it's on everybody's mind, and people are writing about it. People are talking about it. You know, local authorities are having to think about how do they keep future events safe. And it's interesting, all this sort of swirling, and you're having your own observations as it relates to all of that, you know, from Japan. And it was brought about because you were at an event. Well, I'll let you tell the story. Why don't you pick it up from there? Yeah, so I was I was at a festival with my kids, and at the end of the festival, a small part of the festival was a, was a car show, um, and uh, the the cars here in Okinawa, uh, they have their own version of muscle cars, uh, and 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 they're really neat and unique, um, and uh, when we get a chance to see them, we go see them. Well, one one uh, of the cars was revving up his engine, and there was a backfire, and um, and that loud pop just kind of put me back in that like almost PTSD fight or flight uh, kind of thing. I grabbed grabbed my son's arm and I looked and nobody else was moving. And I, I, I could have swore it was a gunshot and nobody else was moving. A few of the Japanese people just kind of absentmindedly looked over and then that was it. And I got to thinking, you know, just like, a, uh, and I say this in the column, just like any um, species that's introduced to a new area, they don't know what the predators are. So they, they're just walking around, you know, uh, w- without any kind of fear. And that's what was going on here. And then I realized um, not too long ago, I realized when I go to events now, uh, I don't check all the exits and stuff. I don't know if this is good or bad. I, I mean, I, am I letting my guard down for when I have to go back to the States? I don't know, but I, it feels good to be here because I don't have to worry so much and I, I don't have that fear uh, that, that uh, you know, I, I'm not afraid that I'm going to go to a concert in Las Vegas and some guy in a, in a tower is going to start shooting into the crowd. I don't have that fear here because they just don't do weapons. Uh, it's a national thing. It's, it, it's like rooted, entrenched in their culture. Um, you don't see weapons. You don't hear about weapons. It's very controlled. The police, they have weapons, but they don't even they don't even carry them like our police do. I mean, they don't have to. And so, I don't have to worry when my sons go off to school every day. Is there is today the day that I'm going to get a phone call or if I'm going to see a Facebook post that there was a, an incident at their school? Um, all that and those are things that I, I started to worry about on a regular basis in Mississippi. I go on a road trip and one of the packing item, packing list items, is oh I got to get my pistol. And I'm like, why? Because I'm driving to Grandma and Grandpa's house? Yeah, it shouldn't be the case. And like I say in the in the column, and I and I'm, I'm absolutely not a uh, anti Second Amendment guy. I, I'm I'm not a anti gun guy at all. Um, I, I I do believe they have their place in society. I do believe that there's there's an importance for them. But I also believe that whatever it is that we're doing, law wise and and everything else is failing uh, because our society has become so violent that. People are in a constant state of alert. It's like survival mode. We're not meant to be that way as humans. And here in Japan, it is so refreshing. It's so wonderful. Of course, I miss my home. I miss Mississippi so bad. I miss all my friends uh, and and family. Um, But I I do pause when when I think about when we go back. I want to stay here long enough that my kids are at least almost out of school so I don't have to worry so much. And yeah, it's 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 um, it, that's what spawned the the column when I heard about the police officer that was shot. Uh, we know a lot of the police officers. My wife and I know a lot of the police officers, so we were immediately worried that one of our loved ones was shot. And then I found out five more people were shot uh, during the spring break in the crowd, and I was like, oh my god, well, who, who 
who it, it, the odds of it being somebody I know is pretty pretty good because it, you know Biloxi's not that big of a place, and I know a lot of people. So I, I was I was spending the whole afternoon here worried, uh, and and it just got me to thinking, and that's why I wrote the column. Well, your the story. And by the way, for people, I mean, I have an outdoor show. I own lots and lots of guns. I am very pro-Second Amendment. Uh, and I, I don't think the way to solve the problem is to take legal guns away from people who own them legally. But as we've discussed in, in this show many times, the, this issue of gun violence, it's so it's so complicated. It's, a, it's about society and, and it's about... Uh, young people having the wrong role models. It's about, mm-hmm. um, it's a, it's, it's, you know, it's complicated. It's really complicated. And what happens is people just end up throwing their arms in the air because it's just so complicated. We're not dealing, yeah. it's about mental illness. Mental illness mm-hmm. is a big part of this. And as a nation, we have not addressed mental illness properly as a nation. But, um, but Brian, let's go, let's, I want to come back to the basics of what you were saying, because it's yeah. an important observation that you feel safe in Japan. And often you didn't, it's not that you didn't feel safe, but you had to sort of be aware of your mm-hmm. surroundings. More and that's the point that you're making. I get. Let me just give you my own personal experience. When yeah. I go to a movie theater with my wife Anne or my kids, the very first thing I do when I sit down is just kind of. I don't even realize I'm doing it. I'm, I, it just becomes so part of what we do. I mm-hmm. want to know where the entrance is. Yep. I want to. I want always. I want to sit on the end. I, I'm always going to be on the end of a row. If I can't sit on the end of a row, I'm not going to a movie theater. I want to be yep. able to, because I want to be able, and it's not because I want to get out quick. It's because I want to be able to get, if someone were to come in and start shooting, I want to be where I can get to that person as quick as, because that's what I would do. I would go directly to the shooter. That's what I would, that's just my, what I would do. Um, but I want to know where the exits are. When I'm at church, I think about it. I think about it sometimes at church. I think about how easy it is just to open a door and come on in. You know, I, I worry about that sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, and, I bet everybody and, does. And, you know, the thing is, you mentioned the movies. Uh, I was carefree and um, and just, just ignorance is bliss type thing. Uh, I was in Aurora, Colorado um, the week prior to the, the Batman movie shooting when the Dark Knight uh, came out and the, the, on the opening night the guy went in there. Uh, and, and shot up the theater, and I was I was I was in Aurora, Colorado, at that movie theater, seeing a different movie the week before, uh, and it just so happened I, I wasn't even from Aurora, Colorado. I was just ha- so happened to be visiting, and my friend wanted to go, and I I remember how close it was, like how like oh man, if I had just been a week later, and then the Gilroy Garlic Festival in the middle of Gilroy, California. I'd been going to that forever, and I happened to be visiting California, and I I had forgotten my wallet, and so I didn't want to pay the, the money to go in. And I missed that shooting as well. 17 people got shot, and I was it, I, there's been so many near misses. That's It's scary. Yeah, it's a, it, and it, and how can it not weigh on you when you're really worried about protecting your family, etc.? Hey, when we come back, we'll continue this conversation with a new thought leader for Super Talk Mississippi News, Brian Lamar. We'll see you after this. Thank you. 
also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is the Ricky Matthew Show on Super Talk Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend Brian Lamar with us, and we're talking about this column he wrote for for uh, Super Talk Mississippi News, the title, A Mississippian in Japan, Did I Hear a Gunshot? It's really well uh, worded. I mean, again, you're, you're a wordsmith. People can go to supertalk.fm and go to news and then and then uh, opinion, and you'll find his column. You can go to the, my Facebook page. You can find the column there. We'll also put a link with this show. But at the end of it, you said this. I get asked all the time the biggest difference in, uh, is uh, what the biggest difference is between Mississippi and Japan. I would have to say there are many differences in many different categories, but one that stands out in my mind these days is the immense social safety that I experience here. In, in future editions of this column, I plan to point out humorous and weird differences like food, language, culture, religion, etc. So it'll be interesting to see what you write about. But, you know, when you get away and have the opportunity to look back, um, I'm sure, you know, as you and I have talked about before, there's something special about the Mississippi Gulf Coast, isn't it, buddy? It is. Uh, it's it's a very bracing, uh, em- embracing, embracing, warm and welcoming community. Um, and I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, um, you know, when I first got to Mississippi all those years ago and just all the people that uh, that I met and it was almost like I had just met an old friend everywhere everywhere I turned and uh, and that's one thing I love about Mississippi um, yeah sure just like any other place it's got its knuckleheads it's got its problems it's got its social issues uh, but uh, the, the the people the uh, the fabric of of coastal Mississippi, uh, and you've actually had some of them on the air that I'm thinking of right now. Uh, Jerry Dodge is one of them, just a good salt-of-the-earth person, um, thinks of others, uh, you know, just in the community doing great things, and uh, and that that's that's what I like about Mississippi. That's what I miss is the people. But uh, talking about that uh, social safety in Japan, um, antisocial behavior uh, is just so frowned upon that it permeates even to don't dishonor your family, don't dishonor your friends, you know, don't don't be the embarrassment in your community. Um, and so anytime somebody gets uh, caught doing something wrong, and, and, and it happens, uh, there, there's, there's knuckleheads here too, um, it is such a shameful experience uh, the way that the community uh, is kind of kind of rough, but uh, but in a loving way, tough love. Uh, it's it's such a shameful experience uh, uh, for the person that gets caught doing something they're not supposed to do. Um, it it it, it kind of tamps down on on all of that. And as a as a community, uh, so in in Japan, you don't see people walking around with vulgar slangs and stuff, uh, uh, sayings and stuff on their, on the t-shirts and everything where like you might in a Walmart in the, in the U S you know? So I, um, I, I, I like that aspect of what I talk about the social safety. I don't have to explain to my younger boy what, what that guy's t-shirt just meant, you know, or try to not explain it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, but some of the, the, the humorous things about Japan, the, the, the funny differences and the funny similarities. Um, one of the, the, my, my favorite moments that I've 
I've had since I've been here uh, was um, Thanksgiving. Uh, I found out that they don't do sweet potato pie or um, uh, sweet potato casserole um, the same way that we do. They don't, they don't use sweet potatoes in the same way we do. They grow them. It's a big uh, staple crop here in Okinawa, but they, they don't do the pie. So I found um, a, a place uh, that made American-style uh, sweet potato pies, and I brought, um, I think, four pumpkin pies and four sweet potato pies to a, a children's center here in, um, in Yamitan, uh, which is the village where, where I work. And um, I brought it in, we cut them up, and we tried them, and they're all just, just dying over them. Like, oh, these are so good. They, uh, they loved them. And uh, they said, well, what's the main ingredient? I said, sweet potatoes. And, and uh, they, they have their own Japanese word for sweet potatoes, and, uh, and I can't remember it at, at the, off the top of my, uh, my, my mind here. But um, they, they said, oh, wow, we don't have to get us the recipe because we want to start making these here. Uh, but I told them, I said, yeah, where I come from, sweet potatoes is a big crop as well. We just... We cook them differently. We use them differently. So, um, and uh, uh, but they do have ways that they use the sweet potato here as well. That I think when I go back to the Mississippi, I'm gonna I'm gonna teach some people how they do it here because it's pretty good as well. Uh, equally as bad for you, <laughs> but pretty good. <clears throat> hey, you know what's interesting about what you said about <clears throat> excuse me the social pressure on a knucklehead. Yeah, um, I, I shared a quote last week from Coretta Scott King, and, it, and she said this, the greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its members. And I, I, I share people, people's stories here in coastal Mississippi all the time, but that point about sort of the social pressure on the knuckleheads, that would be a compassionate action of its members to help yeah. steer that kid in the right direction. I wish we would do more of that in America, man. And we just, we're having some issues right now, yeah. Brian. And, and yeah. you see them more clearly when you're living in Japan. That, that's for yeah. sure. Hey, listen, thank you for becoming a member of our team. We look forward to future columns and uh, you know, look forward to reading more about what you had to say and what you had to think as a thought leader in, um, in Mississippi. So thank you, my friend. Thank you for having me on the air, Ricky. I love it. This has been Brian Lamar coming to us from Japan. Have a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.